Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. As we do every year, Bessler releases a summary of the IPPS final rule. And to give us some highlights of this year's rule, I'm joined by Josh Weissenborn, who is a manager in our reimbursement services team here at Bessler. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. So Josh, the past couple of years, uh, we've seen many changes to reimbursement. CMS has recently published the federal fiscal year 2022 inpatient prospective payment system final rule, as we mentioned. Was this year's final rule just as impactful as in previous years? Absolutely. So before I start, I just want to mention that CMS has not addressed every area discussed in the 2022 IPPS proposed rule. Due to the magnitude of comments, policies in areas such as organ acquisition, DISH 1115 waiver days, and IME GME brought forth in the proposed rule will be addressed in future legislation. So for these areas, I'll be discussing changes outlined in the proposed rule and the directions that we think that CMS will go. Keep in mind that our speculation could differ from CMS's future legislation. So in this podcast, I'll focus on the most significant updates where we see providers experiencing the greatest impact, some positive and, of course, some negative. The areas that I'll touch on today include the repeal of the requirements to report the median care-specific negotiated charge by MSDRG for Medicare Advantage payers, a new requirement for states which will impact bad debts, proposed updates to organ acquisition, as well as proposed updates to medical education. All right, so let's dive right in. The new requirement for hospitals to report the median payer-specific negotiated charge by MSDRG for Medicare Advantage payers was not well received. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about CMS's decision to repeal this requirement and what this means for providers? Yeah, so CMS has been looking for ways to rely less and less on hospitals as charge masters and setting future market based uh, MSDRG relative weights. In the FY 2021 uh, IPPS final rule, effective for cost report periods ending on or after January 1st, 2021, CMS implemented the requirement for hospitals reimbursed under MSDRGs to report the median payer-specific negotiated charge by DRG for Medicare Advantage payers, which was to be reported on the newly created worksheet S12 in the Medicare cost report. This information would have been used to set the MSDRG weights beginning in FY 2024. The requirement received a large number of critical comments, and not all Medicare Advantage contracts use MSDRGs, which really played a key role in CMS's decision to repeal this requirement. As a result, CMS will continue to use their current cost-based methodology for fiscal year 2024 and beyond. This will help reduce the additional administrative burden for providers for the time being, However, CMS is looking for alternative methods, so really be ready for these additional changes down the road. Our speculation is that CMS is gearing towards reporting requirements to ensure that DRG payments are in line with other payers. In addition, by moving the pricing transparency reporting requirements to the cost report, there could be greater penalties for noncompliance, which would include rejection of cost reports and then subsequent withholding of um, providers' interim payments. 
Josh, it's my understanding that Medicare bad debts will be undergoing a change as it relates to the state's reporting requirements. What can you tell us about those changes? Yeah, so it's discussed by CMS in the final rule. So this really impacts state Medicaid programs as reporting requirements as it relates to claims which share the cost with the Medicare program, or what we in reimbursement refer to as dual eligible or crossover bad debts. So for dates of service beginning January 1st, 2023, states are required to enroll all qualified providers and have systems in place to process, adjudicate, and issue RAs for claims. So that means that states must have the necessary processes and systems in place by the state. And essentially what CMS is doing here is holding states accountable for the timely, accurate processing and dual eligible claims so that the states pay their share. And what this means for providers is that in order to claim each crossover bed that reported on the Medicare cost report, a provider would really need to have that remittance advice from the state. So we would expect a greater number of claims being paid by state Medicaid programs as a result of this change, and therefore reducing Medicare's share of the deductibles and coinsurance reported on the Medicare cost report. In addition, CMS states that this policy change will reduce the amount of bad debt appeals and therefore reduce the administrative costs to both the providers and to CMS. So let's switch gears and talk about organ acquisition. Uh, while there are only 300 or so certified organ transplant centers, it's a big issue for these providers and can have a significant impact on Medicare settlement. A big part of organ acquisition reimbursement is the Medicare usable organ count. And as I understand it, CMS proposed changes to this definition in the federal fiscal year 2022 proposed rule. And although the final regulations are not yet published, can you discuss these changes and where you see the final regulations going? Yeah, absolutely. So this is probably one of the most significant changes that was um, in the 2022 proposed rule, and one which will have a detrimental impact, particularly to organ procurement organizations, or what I'll refer to as OPOs. Under current rules and regulations, the definition of Medicare usable organs includes organs sent to other transplant hospitals and OPOs, regardless of the beneficiary's payer, as well as kidneys transferred to a U.S. military renal transplant center with a reciprocal sharing agreement in effect prior to March 3, 1988. So now the definition in the 2022 proposed rule will change this to exclude organs sent to another transplant hospital or OPO, which are not transplanted into a Medicare beneficiary as well as all organs transferred to a military renal transplant center, regardless if they have that reciprocal sharing agreement. So what this means for providers is that there will be a reduction in Medicare utilization and ultimately Medicare share of the acquisition costs that will be reimbursed on the Medicare cost report. Furthermore, transplant hospitals and OPOs will really need to work closely together and collaborate in order to track the payer of the intended transplant recipient to only report those organs where the intended recipient is a Medicare beneficiary. While it's impossible to know exactly how CMS will proceed, we do strongly believe that changes are coming in the very near future as Medicare continues to correct areas where they have historically paid more than their share. And whether or not providers agree, CMS is only responsible for paying, paying their share of the costs, which is really what this change is designed to do. Unfortunately, unless there is some sort of agreement in place with the Department of Health and Human services, you know, who has the authority to bear some of the burden for non-Medicare costs. There will be negative reimbursement ramifications, particularly for the OPOs. 
Josh, have there been any other changes to organ acquisition covered in the 2022 proposed rule? Yeah, so another change I do want to discuss um, proposed by CMS relates to donor community hospitals. And these are hospitals who excise organs and then provide to other transplant hospitals or LPOs. So currently, donor community hospitals will bill the transfer hospital, I'm sorry, transplant hospital or LPO customary charges or a negotiated rate. Effective for cost report periods beginning on or after October 1st, 2021, CMS is proposing to change this so that the hospital must reduce the charges billed to reasonable cost using their most recently available hospital-specific cost-to-charge ratio. So CMS's rationale here is to correct instances of noted abuse where donor community hospitals are grossly overcharging LPOs and transplant hospitals. However, not only will this be detrimental to all the donor community hospitals who can now only bill up to reasonable costs, we'll have a downstream impact to the transplant hospitals or LPOs who record the amounts paid to the donor community hospitals organ acquisition costs in their Medicare cost report, which now will be lower. Um, another change I do want to just quickly mention is the consolidation of the organ acquisition regulations. So currently they're housed in you know, several sections of the Code of Federal Regulations, but as a result of this proposed rule, they would all be housed in 42 CFR 413 subpart L. So this really should make it easier to be able to find the regulations as they're all in one place now. Okay. Let's talk about medical education, which is always a big topic of discussion. What are the changes this year? Yeah, so again, this is another area where CMS has not made their final determination. So I'll be discussing this in the context of the proposed rule. So as a result of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, what I'll refer to as the CAA going forward, there are three provisions that were included in the proposed rule uh, as a result of the CAA sections 126, 127, and 131. And this will mostly benefit rural providers and those urban providers who are part of a rural training track. In addition, there's an opportunity for providers that have a low or zero per resident amount or FTE cap to be able to reset these amounts. Let's start with the potential increases to FTE slots under Section 126 of the CAA. What are the changes proposed by CMS there? Yeah, so what this section does, so it adds a total of 1,000 new Medicare-funded GME positions available to qualifying uh, hospitals over a five-year period. So this is essentially 200 positions that will be awarded per year, and this will start on July 1st, 2023. So there are four statutorily specified categories that will be prioritized, in which 10% or greater will be distributed to each of the categories. So the categories here are, uh, one, hospitals located in rural areas that are treated as being located in a rural area for payment purposes. Two, hospitals training residents above the IMU GME caps. Three, hospitals in which states with new medical schools or additional locations and branches of existing medical schools, which includes 35 states, and you can find that list of states in the, in the final rule. And four, hospitals that serve areas designated as health professional shortage areas. So there are a couple limitations that you just want to quickly mention. So provider can't receive more than 25 additional FTE positions and increases for uh, individual providers are further limited to one FTE each year. And then the second one is cap increases won't be made unless the provider agrees to increase the total number of FTE residency positions in the approved program by the number of awarded positions. 
So in the proposed rule, hospitals would submit applications by January 31st, 2022, and would be notified the following year on January 31st, 2023, of any awarded increases. In the application process, the provider must demonstrate that it doesn't have sufficient room under its current cap and must show demonstrated likelihood of either starting a new residency program or expanding a residency program. In addition, a certification must be completed by the officer or administrator who signs the Medicare cost report. Now let's talk about changes to rural training track programs under Section 127 of the CAA. What has CMS proposed to change as a result? Yeah, so effective for cost report periods on or after October 1st, 2022, CMS proposed to make changes to the rules around rural training track programs, especially as it relates to cap adjustments for urban hospitals. So CMS would allow prospective cap increases to the IME and GME caps at both the participating urban as well as the rural hospitals to expand a, rural, a qualifying rural training track. So the requirement that the rural uh, track must be separately accredited would also be removed so long as the program is accredited by the ACGME in its entirety, regardless of the specialty. In addition, greater than 50% of the training time must be in a rural area. During the five-year cap growth window, these FTEs would not be included in the hospital's three-year rolling average calculation until the cost report year of the sixth program year of each rural track. Finally, that brings us to potential resets of the per-resident amount and resident cap under Section 131 of the CAA. What can you tell us about the proposed changes there? Yeah, so this would help providers who either have a low or a zero per-resident amount, or what I'll refer to as the PRA going forward, or their FTE cap. So CMS is allowing resets of the PRA or FTE cap here. And they break it out by two eligible categories. So there's category A, in which a provider must train at least one FTE, and category B, in which a provider must train at least three FTEs. The recalculation period would begin on December 27th, 2020, and would end five years later. So for both the PRA and the FTE cap, the reset won't occur until it's determined that the category A or category B threshold is met or exceeded. There are a couple specifics I want to mention so I'll start with the PRA reset. So the reset amount would be the lower of the following. It would be the lower of the hospital's actual cost per resident incurred in connection with the GME programs based on the cost report and resident data from the hospital's replacement-based based year cost reporting period, or the updated weighted mean value of PRAs of all hospitals located in the same geographic wage area from the most recently settled cost reports. If there are fewer than three hospitals, all hospitals located in the same census region will be used. There is one circumstance in which a provider may reset their PRA if they train less than one FTE. So if the provider has entered into a GME affiliation agreement to rotate residents to the hospital, then they're allowed to do the reset. However, if there's no affiliation agreement, then they must meet or exceed the category A threshold. And now let's talk about the reset of the FTE cap quickly. So the cap can only be reset when a category A or Category B hospital begins, begins training FTE residents in a new residency program. And the current regulations at 42 CFR 413.79E1 would be followed here. Josh, what is your take on these proposed changes and how do you envision CMS proceeding? Yeah, so because the, because the proposed rules resulting from legislation already enacted, it's really safe to say that these providers 
I'm sorry, that these provisions will be implemented by CMS. The overall impact is expected to be positive for eligible providers through potential increases in medical education payments. And we would expect this to encourage additional training in rural areas where it's difficult for these providers to attract physicians and uh, compete in the market. Thanks, Josh. And if you'd like a more detailed review of the IPPS final rule, Josh just delivered a webinar, which is uh, recorded and available on our website. Just head up to Bessler.com, click on the Insights button, and then the Reimbursement tab, and you'll see a link to it. We invite you to go take a look at that and uh, get some more information about the IPPS final rule. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today and providing uh, your valuable insights around this year's IPPS final rule. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mike. Appreciate it. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.